The Yay for Business podcast is going on hiatus at the end of 2021. Connect with us on Instagram at Courtney Shaw to stay up to date on what's happening and any announcements on future episodes. In the meantime, we're wrapping up 2021 with the best of the Yay for Business podcast. I'm Allison, Courtney's operations manager, and I'm here to lead you through a visit of the most listened to episodes of the Yay for Business podcast. This is episode 59 and strategies for entrepreneurs with ADHD. In this episode, Courtney dives deeper into the struggles that come with ADHD. She also talks about the biggest strengths of someone with ADHD. And to finish the episode, she shares the strategies you will want to implement in the six core areas of your business as an entrepreneur with ADHD. Don't forget to join us December 1st for our exclusive VIP day, where we'll teach you how to take two weeks off from your business guilt-free. Apply to join us at CourtneyShaw.com forward slash out of office. If you follow me on Instagram, you might have seen a post where I initially announced in earlier, uh, I believe earlier October, uh, again, ADHD, I don't remember, even though it was like last week at the time of this recording, uh, that I have ADHD. So I, I finally have, you know, let the cat out of the bag. And the response has been, you know, I always laugh. Everyone always says this, like the response has been overwhelming, but really the response has been overwhelming. And while I did I did anticipate, I did expect a lot of people to um, react um, and reach out to me about this because I know that so many of you guys are on the ADHD spectrum or can at least relate to some of the qualities. I don't think I was prepared for the level of uh, or the amount of people who would be reaching out and asking me for my opinion and advice and tips and all of that. And this is definitely going to be a big pillar topic for me moving forward for like as the rest of time, right? I'm very passionate about this. I've always been passionate about talking to you all in my audience about productivity. I've been talking about productivity for eight years. And one of the reasons why I've been so passionate about talking about productivity is because I struggle with it so much. I'm really interested and curious and hungry for information around how to get shit done because I really struggle to get shit done, right? You always kind of teach what you what you need help with, right? Um, what you need to learn. And so the number one thing that I got asked over the last week or so is, How do I run a successful business? How do I stay focused? How do I um, harness the magic of ADHD uh, in my business so that I can overcome some of the challenges that come along with ADHD? And I love this question. And obviously, even though my ADHD diagnosis is relatively new, it's been about three months or so since I had the realization that I have this, I've always had it, right? So even though I was not aware of what it was, I didn't have a label for it, I've always been this way. And so over the last eight, nine years that I've been running my business, I have developed so many strategies for being me in my business. I used to call it rebel productivity. Turns out rebel productivity is really just having ADHD. Um, And so I have a lot to say here. And now I have a context in which to say it that is 
um, inside of this, you know, ADHD container, right? And so I just have a new sort of uh, angle in which to talk about this topic. So the real question that we're starting with here is, how do I manage a successful growing business with ADHD? Now, what I want you to know, and I'm not reading any research here, um, but what I want you to know is that so many entrepreneurs have ADHD. So it is definitely not something that has to hold you back. It's definitely not something that you uh, need to make an excuse for why you can't do things. Um, I think it's important to learn uh, that you have it so that you can start to work with your strengths, not so that you can make an excuse about why you're incapable of having success. All right. So I think that's really important. And also know that, you know, there's some great entrepreneurs out there. Uh, Richard Branson, who's always been one of my favorite um, entrepreneurial icons because he's just so fun and rebellious and like doesn't give an F what anybody thinks and is kind and has a big heart. And I just think he's the coolest. Um, he has ADHD. And so there's a lot of people out there who who have it. And a lot of women uh, probably aren't as visible about it, uh, but definitely have it as well. So I don't have a list of names here, but I do know, and I want you to know that you're in really good company. I think it's important in order to run a successful business, regardless of uh, how your brain works, regardless of any sort of uh, condition you have or what personality you have, is to know your strengths and to know your weaknesses. Um, all qualities, I believe, you know, everything's relative, right? All qualities have a double-edged sword. So something that is your greatest strength is probably also your greatest weakness. And so it's really just two sides of the same coin. And I think that's really important to talk about because part of my journey over the last couple of years that I was so frustrated with, it really started with me wanting to be a tidier person. And I would see people who seemed to have it all together and their houses were always clean. And I just was like, oh, it'd be so nice to you know, have tidiness to actually make my bed. I'm actually recording this podcast in my bedroom and my bed is totally unmade. It's 2 p.m. Like, I'm probably not going to make, you know, I'm just going to pull the sheet right now to say I'm, I'm making my bed as I record the podcast. Okay, there. It doesn't look like total and other utter crap. Uh, what was I saying? It's important to be aware of your strengths and your weaknesses. So I, I know that I struggle with tidiness, but that is just a sign of a strength I have, which is creativity and my hyper focus. When I get really passionate about something, the whole world falls away and I can zone in for hours on end and just obsessively focus on either like researching something, learning about something, writing, creating, whatever it is. The problem is once I snap out of it, I notice that it looks like a tornado hit my apartment. There's stuff everywhere. I haven't done the laundry or I have, but it's been like sitting in the dryer for five days or something like that. The dishes need to be done. So I tried to fix the tidiness problem, but in doing so, I realized that I was feeling really stifled creatively because you know, one of my biggest things is I really struggle to pick up after myself at lunch. Very specific thing, but I'll make lunch and then I'll start reading something and then I'll get into something. And then by the time the afternoon goes by, I realize I never put away my lunch. Like all the stuff is still sitting out from the fridge and the dishes and all of that. And I was really like, oh, I need to like get this together. But what I realized is I had to sort of interrupt my creative flow in order to go back and put all the stuff away. And sometimes that's okay. Sometimes like, you know what? I just want to make sure the kitchen's tidy. And other times I need to just forgive myself and know that, hey, that's a sign 
that I got really into something this afternoon and that I was really leaning into my strengths. And so that's just an example of why um, or how rather your strengths and your weaknesses are very related. And oftentimes, if you try to fix a weakness, you're also going to numb a strength. Really important. When you try to fix a weakness, you're also going to numb a strength. So really important not to focus too much on fixing your weaknesses, but just being aware of them so that we can create systems in your life to not have all the negative consequences of your weaknesses, which are very real when you have ADHD. Here's another important point. While everyone is going to benefit from this episode, if you struggle with, um, you know, organization and productivity, what I want you to know for those of you who have ADHD is that what works for neurotypicals does not work for us. Those people who are so freaking organized, I'm thinking of like the Marie Kondos and what are those, those uh, funny ladies with the home edit. I watched that Netflix show. I'm watching the show and I'm like, they don't get me. Like these people do not get me. They just, what works for them is beautiful and I love it and I admire it. I definitely like bought a bunch of Lazy Susans and like organized my whole closet by color. But I also did that knowing that I'm doing that because it's fun right now and I'm excited about it right now, but it's going to be hard for me to maintain. So I need to have some, um, uh, give myself some grace and have compassion for myself that like, I'm really into this right now. And my guys beneath my kitchen sink is like so clean right now. But I also know that it's the maintenance that I'm going to really struggle with. Um, and I also follow people who teach productivity and they're people who, if you're into the Enneagram, they're usually people who are like ones on the Enneagram. So they like productivity is an organization or their middle name. Like they actually are like so intense with that. It's more like, loosening up and being laid back and having fun, which is my personality type, that they struggle with. So we have opposite strengths and opposite weaknesses, which is why, you know, one of my really good friends is an Enneagram one, and we really balance each other out really well, but also we have to make sure that we don't overly judge ourselves or each other because of those differences. So that's really important. Um, the second thing I want to mention before we we really dive into uh, tips and all of that is while I 100% continue to want to receive all of your messages and all of your questions over on Instagram or you can email my team or whatever, what I want to just make sure I communicate is that I'm going to be unable to answer personal questions or give um, personal feedback to all of that. Uh, we are, my team and I, we are collecting all of your questions. And like I said in the beginning of this episode, I'm going to be creating so much more content around this topic of ADHD, around rebel productivity. I am in. I am here for it. I just can't answer all of your questions personally. It's very overwhelming, and I'm not an expert, and I'm in it with you. Um, And I want you to know that like, while I do have some tips and strategies, like, I'm also very much in this and I am not ready to, like, coach you on it. Um, I cannot give you medical advice. I cannot listen to your whole situation and tell you my opinion. It's just a little bit too much. But that said, still send me those messages. Just know that we're probably going to say, like, hey, thanks so much for your message. We collected it and we'll be, like, trying to create content to support you. We just won't be able to answer uh, personally. So I just want to make sure you know I am not ignoring you. I'm just setting a boundary on protecting my energy. Okay, that's it for that sort of administrative housekeeping stuff. What I want to go over right now is I'm going to go over what I think are the eight biggest, most common struggles for entrepreneurs with ADHD. We're going to talk about the seven biggest strengths um, for those with ADHD. Maybe I'll come up with an eighth one as I'm going. 
And then then I'm going to move into strategies. So this might be a pretty long episode. I want it to be a resource for you. Um, And we're going to talk about strategies in, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, six different areas of your business as well. So we've got the core struggles, the core strengths, and the six um, strategies that I've documented for you. All right, so buckle in. Here we go. Let's talk about the biggest struggles, in my opinion, right? Non-expert, just sitting down, fireside, having a chat with you. My uh, my opinion of the biggest struggles for those with ADHD. Um, the first one being time management. Now, I personally, weirdly enough, a lot of people with ADHD are chronically late to everything. Though I experience that when my symptoms are really um, heightened, meaning like I'm usually uh, have way too much on my plate and things like that, and that's definitely been happening to me the last few months, I'm actually typically the first one to show up anywhere. I'm like weirdly um, obsessive about being on time. And um, I actually learned this from my mom, who probably also has ADHD. And for her, I think that's just something that she learned or created for herself as a coping mechanism or a strategy for, you know, how to work with her brain. And so I think my obsession with being on time is actually basically the same thing as other people being late everywhere. It's just my anxiety swings me in the opposite direction. Um, So time management is hard. The other side of time management being, you know, managing your calendar. Uh, Do you constantly double book yourself? Forget about appointments. Do you struggle to, um, you know, uh, do things when they're on your calendar? Do you struggle to... um, sort of like wrap up a task at the end and then move on to another task. These are all things that ADHD or struggle with, losing track of time because we get hyper-focused on something and then, oh my God, it's late. Now I got to run. This happened to me last week and I was late to an appointment. Um, So time management can be a total struggle. The second uh, struggle is getting started. So Here's what I find interesting. I, on the Colby Index, if you haven't looked into that, you can go Google it. Um, I'm a level 10 quick start, and which basically means, and I'm no expert, um, but basically means that I am really good at starting things and I really struggle with finishing things. Now, that said, I'm really good at starting things when I'm excited about them, when I'm interested in them. Remember, an ADHD brain is wired for interest over importance. Such an important thing for you to understand. So when I'm excited about something, like recording this podcast episode, I will start it in a heartbeat. Like I will start it faster, almost to the level of dangerously fast, right? My motto in life is normally ready, fire, aim. Like I'm gonna get going and then after I've started moving, then I'm gonna figure out where I'm going, all right? Um, But it can be a really big struggle to get started on things that are mundane, monotonous, boring, uninteresting, tedious. So for me, getting started on cleaning my apartment, doing my laundry, doing the dishes, um, like looking at my email from my accountant that's going to detail like my tax situation, things like that, even just looking at my email in general are really hard for me to get started on because they seem so overwhelming. They seem so, so, so big. So getting started is a struggle for ADHDers. The third struggle is transitions. Now, this was such an aha for me because I, some of my biggest pain points in my life have to do with transitions. 
So getting out of bed in the morning, going to sleep at night, um, switching from one task to the other. If I, I, I had a situation about a week ago where I had a really fun day with a friend and then I got home and then I had a, a message from a client and I had to do something really fast, but like we were also having dinner and it was just like having to transition so much from different things was like so stressful for me. I need a lot of buffer, a lot of margin in my schedule to allow me to ease out of things and back into them. I'm the kind of person who needs a nice break between calls. I cannot go from a call to another call. I'm, I'm too disoriented. I need time to get out of the first call you know, maybe go for a short walk or get some fresh air and then refocus on the second call and get back into it. Um, the fourth struggle for ADHDers, monotonous or boring tasks. We avoid them. Uh, there's probably things like bookkeeping or some detail-oriented thing or another that you have been avoiding for a long time. I'd actually be really curious to know. Um, send me a message. Let me know what is the monotonous task that you avoid the most. For me, it is definitely dishes and laundry. I absolutely hate those things. Um, I avoid my finances. I'm way better at it now, but like definitely just to be totally transparent, I definitely used to really struggle with avoidance around my finances um, because every time I would look at my finances, they would overwhelm me and I would get stressed out and then I would avoid them and then it would get worse. And like, so now that I look at my finances regularly, I've learned that, oh, now it's not a big deal. But when I start to avoid them, that's when I create problems. And that can be hard for me. The fifth struggle for ADHDers is overwhelm. As I've mentioned, small things can feel really big. And I wanna I wanna make a point here that all these things, time management, getting started, transitions, monotonous tasks, overwhelm, all the rest of the things we're gonna talk about. It's not your fault that these things are hard. It's not because you, um, your parents weren't strict enough with you growing up. It's not because um, you're not disciplined. It's not because you haven't learned enough strategies. I need you to start to um, be open to the idea and consider that it's not that. <laughs> it's that your brain literally chemically struggles with this. And it's because, and I think I mentioned this in the last episode, ADHD is thought to be a, uh, you know, a, a neurotransmitter problem, specifically having a low amount of dopamine receptors in the brain. And this also causes your frontal lobe, which is your executive functioning, meaning like that's the lobe that makes you be able to plan for things and do things that are important and follow through. It has less activity in it. So no matter how hard you try or how simple something seems, it's not your fault. It's literally brain chemistry. So I want you to stop beating yourself up. And that's been the most freeing thing for me throughout this process is being like, oh, I just struggle with that. That's just how my brain is. I don't have to be like, Courtney, why are you like this? Try harder. Like all this stuff I used to say in my inner dialogue. So I just wanted to say that really quickly. Overwhelm is a very real feeling. It's not a choice. And I know that's a big thing right now. Everyone's like, overwhelm's a choice. Choose differently. And I've done coaching where they told us overwhelm's a choice and da da da. That might be true for neurotypicals. I don't know. I cannot speak for anything other than what I've experienced. 
But what I know is that when I feel overwhelmed, it ain't no choice, okay? It is an absolute chemistry in my brain, and by calling it a choice, it makes me get mad at myself and hard on myself. Why can't I get out of this? And when I say, hey, that's just my chemistry, it's making me feel overwhelmed, then I have an opening to allow myself to find a solution that will work for me rather than getting like hard on myself that I'm quote unquote making a choice to be overwhelmed. So that's my little rant about overwhelm. Uh, struggle number six is making simple, seemingly easy mistakes. So this is honestly, this is the thing that made me think something was wrong with me. Of all of the other symptoms, this is the one where I was like, oh my God, am I losing my mind? I would swear that I had put something in my calendar at a certain time or swear that I had finished a task. Like in my head, it happened. I I remember it. I have a memory of it. And then somehow I did it totally incorrectly. Somehow I went into the software and I set it up totally incorrectly. Even though I thought I double, triple checked and like looked everything over a million times, it just made me think I was going crazy. Like, what am I missing? And it's things like when I booked two plane tickets for the same trip or when I literally went downstairs to Starbucks, bought a coffee, came back upstairs, set the coffee on the counter, turned on my coffee machine and made another coffee. Not because I wanted two coffees, but because I had totally forgotten that I had just bought a coffee. Literally, I was walking in from buying a coffee. So these are the kinds of things that made me really start to question myself and also made me realize that I need to make sure that there are checks and balances in my business, that I'm not the only one doing things because I need other people's eyes on there who are more detail-oriented, more thorough, have more patience for stuff like that to just be a fail-safe for anything I do to make sure I didn't like do something crazy and miss something like seemingly obvious, okay? So having some support, having someone else just double-check what you're doing can be really helpful. Because I just constantly have this fear of like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Oh my God, what did I miss? And whenever something goes wrong, I'm like, oh my God, it's probably my fault. Because it often is my fault. I often did do something wrong. So I just always assume it's my fault every single time. Okay, struggle number seven is obvious, getting distracted. I think for those of us with online businesses as entrepreneurs, a big distraction, obviously social media, it can be really hard when you use social media for your business. And then it's also this huge distraction. So I think finding some strategies uh, to mitigate that is really important. I uh, have the newsfeed eradicator on my Facebook feed. Um, I don't have the Facebook app on my phone almost ever. Um, I, I often use an app called Freedom to block social media if I'm getting really like touchy about it, meaning like I keep touching it and opening it. Um, or I just delete the apps off of my devices. So there's lots of things we can talk about there, uh, about social media, but really common struggle for entrepreneurs with ADHD, getting distracted, getting distracted by ideas, getting distracted by um, a book, getting distracted. For me, ideas is a rabbit hole for me. I'll get an idea and then I just, that's what I want to think about right now. And then I'll do that at the, you know, peril of something I was supposed to do, like attend a call or um, finish an important task. And it is very challenging when you get really into something and hyper-focused with ADHD, it is so hard to not do that thing and do something that you don't want to do. So I totally relate to that. And then finally, struggle number eight, 
really important one to mention is follow through. You might be really quick to start something when it's exciting and bright and new and shiny, but then you get bored. And one of the questions I got asked when I announced my, you know, my condition, ADHD, was, oh my God, how do I get myself to focus when I kind of get bored and I want to start something new? And there's no magic pill for that, but I think some of it is just like, being committed to the to the thing that you're doing. So just being like, this is, no, this is what I'm doing. And you can have other ideas and you, you know, you can have shiny new ideas, but you have to go, okay, that's for later. And I think what helps is knowing that even those of us with ADHD, we followed through on things that were absolutely, um, you know, no question for us, right? Like if you're an ADHD or who has a kid, like you have to feed your kid. You can't just be like, oh, I got a new idea. I'm going to get rid of this kid and I'm going to stop taking care of them and I'm going to stop feeding them. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> you're going to do it because it's so important that like, you know, you have to not, you might forget to buy dinner. You might forget to do it the way that uh, is stress-free, but you're still going to make sure that your child is taken care of. So I want you to think of it that way in terms of follow through is a lot of times we're just not prioritizing follow through because we're so afraid of getting bored. Um, but really my philosophy is, and I don't want to go too deep on this because I really just wanted to outline the struggles and then we'll get into the strategies in a second. But my strategy on this is that um, I feel and I believe that it's by focusing on one core offer. In my business, we have Yay for Clients and Yay for 100K. We have two core offers now. I know that by focusing on those, that I can use my creativity to come up with new strategies for marketing those and new strategies for getting clients into those and things like that. But if I use my creativity to constantly change my business model, I'm never going to have any money. And that's not very exciting. That's really boring. So I think it's very much feeling the pain of the consequences of those actions and stop romanticizing your ideas, that's important because you are going to still have a bunch of ideas. It's just that you need to know that you cannot implement all those things because you're just never going to, it's just going to be constant um, reactivity and hecticness and not making money and year after year after year. Okay. So those are the struggles. Let's talk about the seven core strengths. I'm going to get a little sip of water. Seven core strengths of ADHD. The first one is passion. I don't know if you've been hearing me talk, but I am a very passionate person. I am either excited or I'm asleep. <laughs> there is no in between. Um, and the greatest thing about our passion as ADHDers is that Passion is infectious. It is magnetic. It draws people to you. It gets people like radicalized about doing something in their lives. And so if, and the thing is, what's great about ADHDers is we, we cannot fake it. Like if we're passionate about something, it's because we genuinely believe in it. And I always tell this story to my clients about when I was a barista. And I think I share this in my eight lessons in eight years of business podcast episode. But um, when I was a barista, I remember that we had these different muffins and when people would ask me what muffin they should get or what pastry they should get, I was like, oh man, there's no question. Like you've got to get the, um, the pumpkin chocolate chip muffin. It's homemade. I know it's vegan. Don't be like too like 
worried about that. It tastes amazing. It's super moist. I know that's everyone's favorite word. It is a delicious muffin. The other ones are from Costco. They're just not that good. Like you don't want to spend your money on it. And because I was so authentically excited, this was my genuine passion about this muffin, people would buy it. They were excited about it. It's like, you should be in sales. I'm like, well, I can sell anything I'm excited about because I won't stop talking about how much I love it and how much everyone else should be you know, doing it too, right? And it's not fake. I could never passionately sell something that I genuinely didn't believe in. It would be literally impossible to me. I couldn't even do it if I tried. Um, So that passion is very infectious and very magnetic. The second strength that many of us have is creativity. We have a very different way of looking at things. We're often very innovative. Um, we see things from a different perspective than other people. Um, and because our, our neurons are firing differently in our brain, we are able to like synthesize ideas in a different way. So I'll give you an example. I'm really good at seeing the big picture and seeing like what's not working, it's like so obvious to me. I see it, I see everything, and I can create frameworks for things and models for things. And that is such a great strategy for teaching. So this is what I use a lot, especially in the A400K, is we teach a lot of frameworks and models to turn abstract concepts into like, simple, like to make them feel like really simple and like, oh yeah, I just need to do that, that, and that. Awesome. I mean, these are things people have struggled with for a long time. And so that's a real strength of mine is uh, being able to see the big picture. Another example of that is um, someone will ask me a question like, uh, you know, one of them was, uh, how do I get more engagement in my Facebook group? Now, most people ask that question would be like, oh, here's some ways that you can do that. I would never do that. My question is, well, why are you asking that question? What makes you think that you need to get more engagement in your Facebook group? Because I'm never willing to take face value on something. I want to see the whole picture. And that allows me to not give surface level advice to things um, when what, what it could come down to is that person didn't, that wasn't even a problem. They were asking about that because they were like, their ego was hurt about the engagement. It wasn't like an actual thing that needed to happen in their business. And it was a task they were going to get distracted by. And if I had just answered that question and given them strategies to get engagement, they would have wasted a bunch of time getting engagement when their goal was to book more clients, right? And there's other things that they needed to be doing to do that. So that's a real strength. Strength number three, biggest one probably, is hyper-focus. When we're really into something, when we get into something, time can go by. There's a joke that like the house could be on fire and we would sit there and we would continue doing this thing. Um, For example, I got really hyper-focused on learning about ADHD. Over a few weeks or maybe a, a month, I read like 10 books. I listened to podcasts. I searched it. I literally couldn't stop. Now, if you assigned me, like if I had a job and they assigned me the task to research something for the exact amount of time that I researched ADHD, but I was not obsessed with that topic, I couldn't make myself do it if my life depended on it. Gun to my head, could not get myself to do it. But because I was obsessed, I was hyper-focusing, I was so interested in learning about ADHD, I was able to spend all that time doing it. So that that's really that flow when like time just goes by. And again, you can lose track of time, so it's good to set alarms and things like that. And we'll talk about strategies in a second here. But um, that hyper-focus is, what I want you to know is like other people don't have that. Like that is a specialty of the ADHD 
brain. It is our rocket fuel. So what I've learned is I need to organize my life to optimize my hyperfocus. The fourth big strength for the ADHD brain is it thinks quick. We have more thoughts a second than most people have in an hour. Um, Not a true data point there, just my (laughs) um, very hyperbolic opinion. So we move fast, we think fast, and we connect dots really fast. And that is obviously a strength because it helps us to learn really fast, to make connections, to be innovative. Again, adds to that creativity, um, make decisions, see what's missing, all of that. So quick thinking, and you probably resonate with this if you feel like, you know, other people think really slow. It's probably just because you think really fast. Number five, Uh, We tend to be funny and witty. Again, it's that quick thinking. I think some of the funniness comes from um, we like, I mean, I don't really know exactly, but I saw this meme about how um, people with ADHD learn to be funny because otherwise they might be seen as annoying. So we learn how to turn our like weirdness into funny. Um, I don't know about all that. Um, and I don't know, you know, the Enneagram 7 also is all about like cracking jokes and being witty and making witty comments. That is my MO 100%. Um, do I know exactly why I do that? No, but I do know that I am damn funny and I am pretty witty and that that has been a strength for me in terms of writing copy and branding and connecting with people and adding a lightness and a levity to my brand. So um, you probably can have heard me do that throughout this podcast episode already. Um, it helps us to spread joy and bring a smile to people's faces, especially I love to do that in business in an area where people can often be so serious. Okay, strength number six is we are big picture seers. So we can really zoom out and see the big picture, but we also have the ability to zoom in and see the details. Now, if we don't want to, that might be really challenging, but we do have this ability to really see different perspectives. So I wanna make sure that you know that about yourself and that that is a really big strength. A lot of people struggle to zoom out and see the big picture. So the fact that you can do that, especially as an entrepreneur, is so important. Use it to your advantage. As you grow as a leader and you're more of a manager and you're less doing things all the time, and by the way, as an adhd you've gotta hire a team. You doing things all the time and managing all the stuff is never gonna work, and it's why so many, I think, adhd struggle is because they don't think they can afford to hire help or um, anything, and I think you can't afford not to. I think you've got to have a bookkeeper. I think you've got to have a VA. I think you've got to have that accountability of paying that people, of them needing to do stuff by deadlines, um, and I think you also need to get yourself out of the weeds as much as possible. Strength number seven, um, my final strength for ADHD entrepreneurs is that we often can be really good at leadership because we really excel at that big picture. We're the definition of visionaries. So um, the leadership, the vision, the creativity, all of that, as long as we develop the capacity to delegate and allow our teams to do the work, right, to actually implement the stuff, we will be unstoppable. But the more you try to force yourself to do everything, the longer you're going to struggle. Okay, so I told you this was gonna be a juicy one. Now we've talked about the struggles and the strengths of ADHD. Now I wanna talk about the strategies for the six core areas of 
your business, okay? So we're gonna talk about email management, we're gonna talk about schedule and calendar management, we're gonna talk about time management, we're gonna talk about weekly and daily planning, and we're gonna talk about accountability and follow through. Um, And finally, we're gonna talk about emotional management, okay? So let's start with the concept of these strategies, right? So uh, I want to tell you some things that work for me, but I also want to tell you that it's really going to depend on you and I'd rather you become curious about developing your own strategies. And so the two things you want to think about in terms of developing strategies to help you, you know, leverage your strengths and mitigate your weaknesses when it comes to ADHD are number one, how can I make monotonous tasks easier or automated or delegated, right? So do I need to do this thing? Can I automate it? Or can I hand it over to someone else? Um, And the other thing I want you to think about is what area of your life or business are you being the hardest on yourself about right now? If it's your cleanliness, hire a cleaner. Again, your first thought might be, I can't afford that. But the thing is, the reason you can't afford it is because you're not doing it, (laughs) Like you need to do it so that you can focus on the work and then we'll, you'll make the money. But I think for ADHDers, we spend too much time waiting to get things together before we move. And for us and what works best for me, um, I was talking to someone about this. I create an environment where I have to take action and that really gets my ADHD brain going. So I hire someone and then I've got to make enough money to be able to pay them. Or, um, I invest in a program. So then like that's at a level where like, I've got to implement it. Like there's no question. So I, I really get myself in a situation where I have to implement. Um, I announce things to my audience often so that I will do it. This podcast only exists because I said I would do it on Instagram. And then everyone's like, where's the podcast? Right. Um, so those are some things I want you to think about. Okay. Let's talk about email management. Back in February, I was really struggling with this. Uh, and I, you know, didn't know it was my ADHD. And so I was really being hard on myself about it. And so I asked my Insta fam, uh, I put up some Instagram stories asking for tips on how to manage email. And I thought, I'm like, somebody's got to have a way of doing this because why is this so hard for me? I'm like, there's got to be something I'm not getting. So I'm going to ask my, my Insta fam to see what those tips are. And what cracks me up now is realizing how complicated and frankly shitty most of you all's email management systems are. Just like how unnecessarily manual and detail-oriented. And I will have nothing to do with manual and detail-oriented. Okay, so the responses I got were clearly from neurotypicals who love organization and um, or people who struggle with organization that kind of were like, I don't know, this kind of works. Like nobody really had a good answer. So a lot of people had these really complex folder and tagging systems, which I'm like, why? Why would you do that? Like, I'm telling you, I struggle with this. And you're like, oh, the answer is to make it more complicated. Um, So here's what I want to tell you. I found the solution. You automate it. It's called SaneBox. It costs maybe $12 a month. I am not an affiliate. Maybe I'll get an affiliate link, but I am not an affiliate at the time of this recording. Um, It is the shit. It is a uh, app that will literally sort through all of your email. It will put it in different, like three, basically I only have like three different folders. So I have my inbox, that's where only important things go. Then I have my sane later um, folder, I guess is what it's called, label. And that's where everything that's like not 
something I need to look at. So it's like marketing emails or things like that. Like things that are just like, they're not like an individual person writing me an email or an email that I have to look at. They go in there. Um, and then I also have, I set this up. It was very easy. A sane expenses, um, one, because when I put things there, they automatically get forwarded to my team to give to my bookkeeper. So that's really helpful. Um, and I think that's it. So literally since February, right now it's October, I've had SaneBox installed and I used to use it years and years ago, but then I was like, oh, I probably don't need this. Like I'm going to stop using it. And I regret that because now I only ever have like the max I've had after like a few weeks of not going through my email is like 20 emails in there. Um, I also have a secret email just to be totally transparent. I don't like I hate email so much. So I have a secret email. It's not, you know, the email for the business that goes to customer service. It's only people who know me have this email. So that already reduces things. But um, the SaneBox has changed my life because I was still struggling with responding to important emails. Um, and so that's really helped me a lot. The second piece here, must do. This is not an option for you. I don't care where you're at in your business, quite frankly. You need to hire a VA. You need to hire a VA to do your customer service literally from day one. I think this is true for everyone, not just ADHD people, but ADHD people especially. This is sort of like your way of, it's such a declaration for you to do this, to be like, I'm going to honor who I am and what makes me amazing and that I need someone else to be managing the email for my business. So customer service responses, creating canned responses. And of course, you're going to have to train that person and figure out like how you want them to answer emails and things like that. That's a whole nother conversation. But to me, it is non-negotiable. Like if you're like, I don't, I'm not making enough money in my business, start making enough money. Like it doesn't cost that much to have a VA. Honestly, you can hire someone for, especially if you're newer, you're probably not getting that much customer service email anyway, but you need to have somebody on your team, even if it's just for a few hours a week, like five hours a week, one hour a day to check email for the business. You need to do that. It's so, so, so important. Do not brush that off. Okay, so that's email. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is your schedule and your calendar management. So the question here is, how do we harness our hours? How do we make sure that we are um, not frantically going about our days, feeling like we're like we're busy all day, but we got nothing done? And the answer is batch days. You need to put things in containers so that. You can focus 100% on that container on that day and you can let it go every other day. And I'm just going to tell you, this is going to get more and more and more important as your business grows. So you might as well implement it now. Um, I recently had to update my batching system. So every time you sort of, you'll get to a point where like your current batches are no longer working, meaning you probably have like a lot of new things coming at you that don't fit in the categories or things like that. That happened to me as we started to um, grow our team is I wasn't as much in like the day-to-day stuff, but then I had like a lot of meetings now that I'm managing more. So I had to reorganize my week accordingly. Also, after we launched Yay for 100K, I have a couple of days a week that are exclusively blocked out for Yay for 100K. So let me tell you a little bit about how I batch my week right now. Just as an example, you're going to have to figure out what works for you. The question is like, what category of things do I have? And then what days am I going to focus on those categories? So for me, Monday, I do no calls, no meetings. Monday is get organized. Monday is work on um, marketing 
marketing projects, okay? So it's like getting organized for the week and working on marketing, all right? Tuesday is meeting day. I have meetings basically from 10 to 4 on Tuesdays, basically nonstop. (laughs) And the reason it's that way is so that I don't have to have meetings any other day of the week for the most part, okay? Um, So that helps a lot to get all those meetings done on Tuesday. So I know when I wake up Tuesday morning, today's meeting day, I'm going to have a bunch of meetings and then it's going to be done. And then on Wednesday is when I uh, work on our Yay for 100K content. So that's my full batching day for any new content we need to create, any content I need to record videos for, things like that. On Thursday is my Yay for 100K client day. So uh, for those of you who don't know, for Yay for 100K, we do um, individualized critiques for everyone. So every week people submit something, whatever they're working on, um, and I'll do a critique for them. So in the morning, I record all of the critiques for all of their work. And then in the afternoon, we have our weekly Yay for 100K coaching call. Um, so that's that's my Thursday is supporting my clients. Obviously, I participate in the Facebook group for that program almost every day, if not every day. Um, but Thursday is when my work is focused on that, on supporting them. Um, if someone has to book a meeting with me, I might do it on Thursday and can't do Tuesday. I might do Thursday. I might do Wednesday. It depends. Or I might push it to the following Tuesday, right? Um, or I'll ask, do I really need to have this meeting, right? You've got to make those priorities. Um, and then Friday for me is CEO and self-care day. So I spend time in the morning just thinking, asking picture questions, reading, um, doing professional uh, development. And then I also update our uh, our finances on Friday. And then for my self-care, I often schedule my um, counseling, acupuncture, um, massages, things like that on Friday afternoon uh, so that I can put it all in that bundle and Friday I don't have to have any meetings and I just think and I take care of myself um, and I do yoga and all of that. Okay, so here's some rules that I have in place for my calendar that I want you to be aware of that might work for you or might inspire a similar thing for yourself. A, everything goes on Google Calendar. When I say everything, I mean everything that is a fixed appointment. So I do not, I wanna be clear, I do not put all my work on my calendar like I'm going to spend 2 to 2.30 working on this. No, I will never follow it. It won't work. I do block off the batch days. So on Wednesday, it's like from 10 to 4 is just blocked out like yay for 100K content. But I'm not like this is the piece I'm going to work on from 10 to 11. This is like I don't do all of that. I just make sure it's blocked off so nobody schedules a meeting with me. And so I don't accidentally schedule something at that time. Um, so everything that is an appointment has to go on Google Calendar. If I'm at the doctor's office and they say, you have an appointment at two o'clock next Friday, I need to put it on that Google Calendar right then and there. There is no doing it later. There is no, I'll do it when I get home. I've got to pull out my phone and put it on the calendar while I'm sitting there and then double check that I put it on the calendar correctly. Even if I schedule an appointment online that automatically gets added to my calendar, I manually put it on the calendar first just in case that automatic one doesn't go on because as ADHDers, we are very forgetful. We make simple mistakes and we drop balls and we struggle with time management. All of that put together means you have to be extra careful when you schedule meetings that you make sure you're available, you've blocked off the time and you're gonna see it and remember it. That brings me to B, which is I have a motto that I think of multiple times a day. It's just sort of ingrained in my head at this point, which is look at your calendar. 
Look at your calendar is my motto. Because sometimes I'll have the thought, oh, I don't have to do anything this afternoon. So then I, I respond to that thought with, look at your calendar. Always look at the calendar. Never assume you don't have anything because that's when I miss stuff. It's like, oh, it's Friday. I don't schedule things on Fridays. But that Friday, I happen to schedule something at 2 and I forgot about it. So that's why everything has to go on the calendar. And then my motto is look at the calendar. Now, this is not to say that I don't still forget things every once in a while, but it does mitigate most of that. C is go with your natural rhythm. So you have to think about when you naturally do things or like to do things. I hate doing things on Friday. I like Friday to be me day uh, thinking, reading, all of that. So that's what Friday is. Okay. I prefer to batch things all one day because then my brain can just do meetings and it can be fragmented and I don't have to focus on getting anything done that day. Cause if I have a meeting at 10 AM and then a meeting at 2 PM, I will get nothing done in between before or after. Okay. So that's why I do all meetings on the same day so that I don't have to schedule any tasks that day. All right. Let's talk about now this naturally moves into uh, strategy number three, which is time management. So again, as ADHDers, we struggle with losing track of time. We struggle, struggle on hyper-focusing on the wrong thing. Um, and we also tend to feel like foggy and distracted and like unsure and overwhelmed. And so that can be really hard when it comes to actually managing your time, like in the moment, right? Like actually getting things done. So here's some things that I do for time management. Number one, I am constantly setting timers. I have an Alexa and I like say that quietly because I don't want her to like wake up and ask me something. And I'll constantly throughout the day, I'll be like, hey, Alexa, set a timer for five minutes. And so what I do is anytime I know I have, um, let's say, um, let's say right now I'm recording this episode, but I know that in, you know, I have one hour to do that. And then 15 minutes later, I've got to leave for something then I would want to make sure before I start recording this podcast that I set a timer for at least 10 minutes before I have to leave so that if I get lost in my brain somewhere, that timer will go off and snap me out of it. I actually read somewhere a woman saying that she will literally clap at people with ADHD when they look like they're kind of in dreamland, right? You can tell when someone's eyes are kind of glazed over and they're thinking, that's me all the time, is just clap and it kind of snaps them out of it. That's what I use my timers for. I get on Instagram, set a timer for 10 minutes, five minutes, so that I know when I've gotten lost on the rabbit hole. So all day long, I'm constantly setting timers. One trick I learned is set one timer um, for you to like, like know that you need to stop, right? And then another timer, maybe a few minutes later when you have to stop. Okay, so that you start coming out of it. Um, and then another timer just in case that first one doesn't snap you out. I know that sounds aggressive, but it's really helpful so that you can allow yourself to really get into stuff and not constantly have that fear that you're forgetting something like I do. Um, The second tip time management wise is to listen to um, focus music. And there's lots of ways you can do this. I like to just use the different playlists on Spotify. I find that having some music going really can help me. Um, I don't like the silence and I actually sometimes like to listen to pretty upbeat dance music while I'm working, but sometimes I'll listen to more calm focus music. So that's something to play with. Um, and then the third thing in terms of time management is I prefer to give myself every, and we'll talk about this in weekly planning next and daily planning. 
I like to give myself like three main things I need to get done in a day, but I don't tell myself exactly when I have to do it. I find that helps me to not feel like I'm trapped and stuck in the day and that as long as I get those things done, I'm fine. Um, So instead of rigidly um, scheduling my day, I just say, okay, today I have to do this, this, and that. And when, which one do I want to do first? And then I allow myself to kind of feel my way through it. Um, Because if you schedule it too much, you'll probably rebel against it. All right. Strategy number four, let's talk about weekly and daily planning. So here's what we do in my business and me personally. So number one, Everything goes in our project management system. We currently use ClickUp. You can use Asana, Trello, whatever works. doesn't really matter. (laughs) Just pick one. They're all basically free. Um, And this is what's so great about hiring someone is it forces you to start using a project management system because if you try to manage yourself, you're probably not going to follow it. Again, please hire a VA. Please hire an intern, someone, something. There's really no excuse for not doing that from the beginning. Starting a business means you're going to have expenses. You're going to have to do stuff like that. You're not an employee. You're not at a job where you get a salary and you just do your work and that's it. It is very non-strategic of you as a business owner to try to do everything by yourself. And the longer you try to do that, the more you're going to struggle to stop doing that. So I really want to make sure you're getting someone on board on your team as soon as possible. Okay, so everything for us has to go in the project management system um, so that we can trust everything's in there. Of course, sometimes we forget things, but more or less everything is in there. So then when I'm planning my week, I will log into ClickUp. I will look at all the tasks that are due for me in the next week. So I just organize it by me and then I do it by due date. And then I write down, you can do this on a piece of paper. I do it on my iPad. I write down all the tasks that I have to do that week. I make a list, okay? And then I start to organize them by, like I mentioned a second ago, I try to do three things a day, all right? So I I try to do it by those due dates that are in ClickUp. Sometimes our due dates are a little bit malleable, um, but I try to organize them by my batch days, right? So I'm obviously not gonna get anything done on Thursday unless it's recording those critiques. I'm obviously um, not gonna get anything done on Tuesday because I have all those calls. So I'll, I'll go, okay, Monday, what are the top three things I'm gonna get done? And sometimes my tasks, they're very small things that kind of can be bundled into one main thing, right? So, okay, on uh, Monday, I'm gonna record a podcast episode. That might include outlining the podcast, recording it, whatever, um, but I will do all of that on Monday, okay? I outline my three, what we call our MITs, most important tasks for every day, no more than three. And if you don't have enough uh, space in that week to get all that stuff done, that teaches us we need to learn to make more realistic deadlines, right? It means we're at our capacity, right? And it doesn't mean I need to work harder and cram all this in my week. That's not what it means. That's what all of you guys are doing. No, it means I'm at capacity. So either I need to let go of some of this stuff, right? Or I need to figure out what my priorities are, right? I may be doing things that are not important. A lot of you are. You need to be an EA for clients. So I can tell you what you need to be doing in your business. Um, shameless plug there, but it's true. A lot of you are focused on the wrong things, right? So your, day, your weeks are full, but nothing's moving forward. We want to make sure that those days you have to work especially if you've limited time, that you know that you're focusing on the things that are gonna move the needle forward. And so we need to get rid of the things that are less important. So you need to learn what those things are. If you don't know, get in a program like Yay for Clients so that you can find out. Um, 
or right? You need to hire someone, right? So if all those things do have to get done and you're just at capacity with your bandwidth of what you can handle or what your current team can handle, it means it's time to add people to your team. So I tell everyone on my team, if you feel like week after week for like a few weeks, you're like over, like you have way too much on your plate, I need to know because that probably means you're at bandwidth, you're at capacity. So we either need to take some things off your plate or we need to hire someone else. Like that's how businesses work, right? It's not, oh, you need to get more organized and get all this done. It's we need to organize the business so that we can uh, be better with our priorities, okay? Um, so put your three MITs. I just use a piece of paper. This is my ADHD hack. No planners, guys. We buy all the planners and we don't follow through with them. And then we buy a new planner and we don't follow through with it. It is not your fault. It's how your brain works. All I do is I grab a blank sheet of printer paper and I go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, weekend. And then I put one, two, three under each of those. And then I list what are my three things for each of those days. That is it. Okay. But I base it off of looking at my calendar and looking at my ClickUp to make sure that I'm organizing things more or less when I can do them. It's a very simple, non-time consuming, non-exhaustive strategy, but it has to be for an ADHD brain. All right. Now we're on to number five. This is already longest podcast episode ever. Of course, it's so meaty. Um, we're almost done though. Uh, strategy number five is Let's talk about accountability and follow through. We've already talked about some of these things, but accountability and follow through are so challenging for an ADHD -er. And there's a couple things at play here. Number one, it's important that you learn to be as accountable to yourself as possible. So I don't want to remove personable, personable, personal accountability from the table. It is important that you work on, you know, not over overestimating what you can get done in a day, right? If you're chronically doing that, then you need to learn from that and schedule less in a day, right? That is personal accountability. It's very important and we do need to learn those strategies as adults. It doesn't matter who we are, it's important. I also want you to know that accountability in general can be a struggle for ADHDers and we can really benefit from having some outer accountability. And so that's why I talk about hiring a VA, telling your VA about how your brain works, that you really need that accountability for them not to be shy to poke you and bug you if something's late, to be like, hey, I need this. That I tell my team, I need you to be okay with being like, Courtney, I need this. Where is it? Don't just assume because I didn't get it done that you don't need to worry about it because I'm the boss. Like part of me paying you is you've got to poke me as well. This is how my brain works and I'm the boss, right? That's what I want. <laughs> um, and so basically you're telling them, all right, I need my blog post or newsletter to go out once a week on Wednesday. So uh, let's create a system to get that done. And then let's look at what tasks will be yours and what tasks will be mine. But if I don't get one of my tasks done, do not, like you need to bug me and say, hey, I need this by this date so I can get this blog up. That will get an ADHD or to do it. And this is how I built my whole business is on me telling my team I'm going to do something and then I have to do it because I'm paying them to do the second part. So I've got to do the first part. So important. Um, the other strategy here is making public declarations. So I love to declare to my audience that I'm going to do something because it forces me to do it. Because I will feel like a damn fool if I announce I'm launching a podcast and then I never do. And let's be honest, there have been times I've announced things and then I haven't done them. It's going to happen, right? That self-compassion, I'm like, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> I let that thing go because I don't want to do it. <laughs> but 
for the most part, announcing something really helps me to get the ball rolling and for me to follow through. Um, the third strategy, so we've got, you know, hiring, we've got making public declarations. It could be a public declaration too to like your friends and family. I think with your audience, it works a little better, but either is fine. The third strategy is having skin in the game. So for me, it's always, always being in some kind of higher end coaching program, not just a course, but something a little bit scarier. A lot of you listening to this by now, you've already been in a bunch of courses. Now, if you're newer, that's fine. Getting yay for clients. That's where we need you. We got to get you making that full-time income. Um, But I would like to see you do something at a higher level that's going to have, I'm not going to say more accountability, but uh, um, kind of what is the word I'm looking for? Um, baked in. I was going to say booked in. Baked into the program. But the fact that you, but also, yes, I am saying that. So for example, it doesn't have to be Yay for 100K, though I would love to have you inside of Yay for 100K if you are a service-based business owner and you do want to, you know, continue offering your services, streamline them more, get more clients, and also then launch a program so you can start to scale your business up. But I would like to see you joining something at a much higher level than an online course. I'm a big fan of higher end group coaching programs. I actually think it is more beneficial to do group coaching than one-on-one. We have people in our group coaching that I did one-on-one coaching with, and they're getting way bigger results from group coaching than one-on-one because there's just this added, people think it's better to be one-on-one. I couldn't disagree more. I actually think that group setting is better. Of course, everyone is different, but... In my experience, group more often than not is better as long as it's, you know, a a well-created container. Um, But the point being here that skin in the game, being invested financially in something is going to raise your level of commitment. So don't buy a whole bunch of different things. I want you to, and it's, by the way, it's fine to be in different programs. I'm often in different programs, but What I don't want you to do is sign up for one thing, get bored, and then sign up for a different one. That's not what I'm talking about. What I want you to think about is what do I really need right now? What are my goals this year? What do I want to make happen? And then I do want to challenge you to find a higher-end program to help you to achieve that instead of a course if you've already done a lot of courses. I do think there's a time when it's like, You've gotten as much as you're going to get out of courses. Let's do something bigger. Again, it doesn't have to be my program. I would say this anyway, even if I didn't have my program. Um, But I do think that's an important step to take as an entrepreneur. So that skin in the game is important. And then also you can have a one-on-one coach. You know, I um, I have a lot of support. I have a counselor. I have a lot of support in my health. Um, I have, which helps me a lot, my naturopath. The only reason I take vitamins every day is because I know I'm going to see my naturopath and she thinks I'm taking my vitamins every day, so I know I need to do it. Um, things like that. So skin in the game, really important. All right. So those are my tips for now about follow through. I'm sure I have more to say on that, but that should get you started. And then finally, our final strategy here is on emotional management. This is a little known thing, but emotional regulation is a huge struggle for people with ADHD. Uh, We have something that's called rejection sensitivity a lot, which you might be nodding your head going, oh, that's why I hate getting feedback. (laughs) Um, I hate unsolicited feedback. I have a reaction to people telling me their thoughts about me without me asking that is 
disproportionate to what you would expect. I cannot stand it. And I just always thought everybody was like that, but they're not. A lot of people like unsolicited feedback. Um, blows my mind, but they do. And I can't do it. And so this is definitely something that I realized I struggle with, that emotional management. I can get really upset. I can get really triggered, um, not just by like critique or feedback, but um, by things that I just find frustrating or upsetting. Like I, for one, I'm just gonna be super transparent. Like I have really bad road rage. And I didn't realize this until I was around people who don't. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you don't yell at every car that drives by. How interesting. So here's what I think the balance is. And I literally, in my notes, I drew a scale. So I want you to imagine a scale. And on one side of the scale, right, like a ba- like, like a teeter-totter scale, right? So one side of the scale is you you knowing that it is it is important and it is okay to feel your emotions, that whatever you feel, whether it's sadness, anger, frustration, that a lot of those emotions, uh, we get kind of the messaging that they're not okay, that we need to suppress them. It is important and healthy to feel those emotions, right? So that's the first side, right? Is we need to, we need to feel our emotions and our feelings. The other side though, that we have to balance that with is we have to, um, find an opening where we can take a bit of control over our thoughts that are causing those emotions and take some responsibility for managing that very normal or natural emotional reaction that we have. And this is something I'm just telling you, I genuinely struggle with because I can have some really strong emotions to things and it's instant to me. It's like, oh my God, I'm set off, da, da, da. But what I have to work on, what I am working on is that the sooner I can create that self-awareness of like, okay, it's totally okay that I feel this way. This is fine. This is my feeling. There's, it's valid. But also, what can I do to mitigate this? Breathing exercises, focusing on something else, journaling. That can really help you with this emotional regulation. Working with a therapist on cognitive behavioral therapy is so important. I'm starting this right now. It is uh, supposed to be one of the best types of therapy, counseling for ADHD. I think in general, it's supposed to be amazing. Um, there's a lot of research on its effects. So that's something I really recommend. And also there are free workbooks on CBT. So you can go, if you want to save some money or you don't have access to therapy, you can definitely go download uh, some free workbooks to see if you can get some value out of that or buy some books as well. Okay, so I just wanted to mention the emotional management piece because I know that's not really about your productivity, but as an entrepreneur, our emotions, our identities, our self-worth, our all this is so wrapped up into our businesses and we can get so triggered by the smallest things that can set us off. And that's why, again, it's so important that you hire a VA to handle your customer service because you shouldn't be handling you know, client inquiries. You shouldn't be handling refund requests. You shouldn't be handling that stuff. And there's a rule in my company that those things don't come to me, right? Like we have policies on them. I've trained people on them. Those things don't come to me. And at this point, if the person in customer service doesn't know the answer, there's another person they can go to before they would come to me. So it's very rare that I have to actually see any of that um, because I believe that the people who critique you and the people who praise you, it's like the same thing. It can really mess with your head. And so I just remove myself from as much of that as possible. It really helps me to protect my my energy and my emotional state. 
Okay, so this is a very long episode. Thank you for bearing with me until the end. In conclusion, here's what I want you to know. Number one, your struggles that you have are real. It's not your fault. It's not all in your head. I mean, like it kind of is, but not in the way that we think it is. It's not limiting beliefs, okay? It's a real thing. It's a chemical thing, and you don't have to second guess it anymore. I also want you to know that ADHD has many wonderful benefits for entrepreneurs if you're open to embracing your strengths and finding strategies to psychologically accept how your brain functions, accept that you're not, you know, a neurotypical, which I just think, I think it's like we have superpowers, right? So I'd rather be this way anyway. And find strategies to work with it, find strategies to automate the things that you struggle with and delegate things that cannot be automated. If you can do that, you're going to be unstoppable. So that's all I have for you today. Please let me know what strategies Uh, or takeaways resonated with you, what you're going to try, if there's any strategies that you have that you feel like um, I should add or share, please send me those messages. Again, I'm not able to respond to everybody's like individual ADHD sort of conversations, but I still want you to send me those messages regardless. I want all of them. We will collect them. We're paying attention um, because we're going to be creating more content like this in the future. And you can also let me know what is a topic around this that you would like me to either dive deeper on or a topic I haven't talked about, about ADHD and entrepreneurship that you would like me to discuss in an upcoming podcast episode. All right, that's it for today. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you love today's content and are ready to finally start making a full-time income from your business this year, make sure to get on the wait list for my program, Yay for Clients, over at yayforclients.com, and you'll be notified the next time enrollment is open. Or if you're already booked with clients and you want to learn how you can turn your signature service into a signature program and add 100K of revenue to your bottom line, come apply to my group coaching program, Yay for 100K, over at CourtneyShaw.com forward slash apply. Thanks again and have an awesome day.